Okay, so you know what's getting a renaissance right now? What? Fanny packs? Like, what? <laughs> what's, uh, what? what is wrong with that? Talking to the mic, Kim. I'm talking to the mic. You guys don't know, but most of the time when we do this show, I'm pointing at the mic saying, Cameron, turn your your face to the mic. <laughs> I'm talking so into the mic. So you can talk into it. Okay, so so fanny packs, right? We're, I'm here with you. Uh, t- Twitter is, like, full of girls who are wearing sorority clothing. Yeah. With fanny packs. Whoa. What would why? I don't know. They're just I, you know what I think it is? Is fanny packs were they came around in the nineties, right? Oh, Probably yeah, sometime around. I have around no there. idea. Um I'm pretty sure it was there around the nineties. Or eighties and nineties. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, because I remember eighties. That looks about right too. But they, they just kind of look goofy. But yeah, to be real, terrible. but to be real, fanny packs are very functional. Very, very functional. Yeah, utility. They have great utility, and I think That's today true. a lot of girls' clothings, they just don't have pockets. Mm, mm, I feel mm. bad for girls. Yeah, They're walking around with those big iPhones. They got those huge <laughs> iPhones in their hands. You know, they're carrying it around like it's like a hand weight. It sucks, man. Yeah. No, that's true. And like, what do you like? You you can carry around your uh, your your iPhone, your big iPhone, but you can't carry around your big iPhone and your wallet. Yeah. Or else you're gonna get stolen. That's why you see those uh, iPhone cases with wallets. It, it's gonna be like Taken. Built in. It's gonna be like the movie Taken. Boom. Done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Everything Comes From Something podcast. This is episode 16. My name is Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tuttle. I think we finally got the intro down. Oh, hey, hold on. Uh, uh, we never put a we never post our like Twitter the information. That's, I think that's a thing that we should do. Well, well, well. If you like the show, we have social media available. We are at ECFS Podcast on no. Instagram. Oh, yeah, okay. ECFS Pod for Twitter. ECFS Podcast page on Facebook. And that's about it. We also have a Patreon at Patreon slash ECFS Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys like the show, feel free to throw us any support. Sorry about tripping up on my tongue. Uh, I'm just excited for this episode. And Isaac's Twitter is at sack, sh- sack underscore shack. My Twitter <laughs> is at tetrashot. So, yeah. Dumb us. name. We... Cameron has a dumb name. Shout out to our executive producer, Darren O'Neill. We love you. We love you. That's a one clap for you. <laughs> and uh, a big thing, if you guys don't know this, this is posting on a Monday. We have changed our release date. It is no longer on Fridays. We're doing it on Monday because we want you guys to have the episode ready for your commute. And the reason why is we value democracy. We did a vote. And we put a Facebook poll, and the people have spoken. So if you actually want to have a say in what this show does and goes and things like that, you can follow us on the socials, and we post. I'm trying to post more regularly. I'm trying to make it more of a community thing. Mm, Even mm, if you mm. guys know us in person, make fun of us on social media and stuff. I, uh, I, 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 I did a funny thing with our Twitter uh, I I re- responded to a Cheez Its ad. <laughs> right, our last episode we had a very strange post show where we ate a bunch of weird food. Yeah, and we tried the Cheez Its and caramel corn. Shout out to Will Lubke, dude. He thought that sounded really good. Oh, it's so bad. Maybe it's we'll, really bad. We'll have Will, him on the show to respond. Well, it's bad. Oh, okay. So sp- speaking of after after that show, I brought all that stuff back up. Right, not all right. the stuff, but I brought the Cheez Its. And guess who ate all of the Cheez Its? Who? Evan. My oh roommate. My gosh, it was, it was gross. It was wow. gross. It was sort of a social experiment, right? Yeah, it was. I gave you the weird snacks, and I said, "Give them to your strange roommates <laughs> and see what happens." And I can yeah. picture it now with your monocle stroking your 
two stubbles of hair on it was your like chin. it was like watching um watching animals in the wild <laughs> i had a clipboard <laughs> you just needed morgan freeman's narration yeah exactly that's basically what this house is. That's great. I mean, really. That's great. Well, so before the before the podcast was starting, we were talking about um, the the song all the, all the small things. Yeah. Um, by Blink One Eighty Two. Blink One Eighty Two sucks. I love Blink One Eighty Two. Um, Come at me. That's another one we disagree with, right? Yeah. JD. Hug. <laughs> I disagree with Cameron on everything. Yeah, especially Blink One Eighty Two because Blink One Eighty Two. They're great. Sucks. If you love them, you know. Um, you know if you know. In any case, so uh, I was saying that that movie uh, reminded me a lot of this, or sorry, that song reminded me a lot of this movie called Clock Stoppers, which is a really bad movie. What? Um, nobody has ever watched it, and probably never should. What? But is, what is it? It's a it's a kind of a kids movie about uh, <laughs> um, a guy who a scientist who who makes who makes a watch that stops time. Um, it sounds a lot like Agent Cody Banks. It, it is. It's got a little bit of that vibe, but, oh, okay. but more, but more Blink One Eighty Two spiced in there. Oh, okay. Um, so so like a like Drake punk. and Josh spin yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and so, uh, so basically, what this, so the, the the kid of the scientist takes the watch and uses it to 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 do goofs and stuff. That is, um, so it's like click, but for kids. Exactly, exactly. Oh. It's like click, but for kids. Um, but not quite as funny uh, as click. Um, <laughs> But uh, I've only seen clips of Click, so which is hard to say. I was way. interviewing uh, back away when I was uh, when I was a senior in in high school. I was interviewing at different colleges. I was uh-huh. like, you know, going around um, doing doing the tour as you do. And I didn't do that. Um, the director, I know you didn't, but uh, the the um, decisive the cinema director at USC. Okay, I I, I interviewed with him. Um, you know, we were talking. And uh, he was the visual effects supervisor of Clockstoppers. He did a bunch of no other movies too. Way. He did a bunch of other movies too. But he he was a, he was the visual effects uh, supervisor for that movie. And you know, I was going through. You know, we were talking about his movies and stuff. And I was right. like, you know, one that really uh, <laughs> spoke to you spoke to me when I was a kid was Clockstoppers. Wow. And he was like, he was like, can you, you not? You would be. You would be surprised how many people come in here and say, <laughs> "Oh my god!" <laughs> that clock it must stoppers. have been like an underground hit for the kids. You know, they had those it was it was movies for the kids, like yeah. you know, Spy Kids, Shark Boy, and Lava Girl. Definitely, they're blasting in the kids' faces, but the parents had no idea what these movies existed. Right? They didn't even. I mean, I don't know. Totally. That, that'd be so. He weird. said he did it on, on, as a favor for um, for one of his friends who was working on the film. He oh, was okay. like the the guy the the. I don't know. The one of the producers was like, "Hey, you know, we really need visual effects." Because he he was like a serious visual effects artist. Like yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He did like like real movies, um, and and so this movie was like, um, was like, uh, the the producer was like, "Yeah, there's going to be a lot of." A lot of visual effects, but we don't really have um, that big of a budget for right, it. Right. You know, we need we need somebody. You know, could you could you help me? Like for for a cheaper amount. That's like a foot in the door. What's this guy's name? Do you remember? Oh, man, I can't remember. All now. right. Well, shout out to that USC guy. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I didn't get into USC. So. There's a couple <laughs> visceral details around the room that I want to describe. Okay. We're okay. currently recording in Cameron's podcast. I noticed you have a little bit of scruff today. Mm. We're scruffy boys. Yeah, we're both scruffy boys. I also feel bad because like our mics are facing the desk. Yeah. Which means we're constantly having to turn to each yeah, other. Yeah, this is why I turned my mic to facing you. So it's nothing. Oh, that's really smart. It's nothing personal. That's why I'm staring at the wall. No, no, no. I get it. It's really. But weird. that's what's causing you to to I look don't around move this my mic. desk. Sorry, listener. 
Um, that's what's causing you to look around my desk. Okay. Speaking of speaking okay. of what what I mean, what is it? What is it that you're co- trying to comment on? Oh, there's nothing. I just think it's a very funny setting. Oh, really? I mean, your desk looks like trash. Yeah, it does. Ouch. No, I was laughing because when you were talking, Cameron just came in a bottle of Coke. Good, good, uh, very good host. Yep. And he's talking, and I'm down in this Coke as if I haven't tasted a liquid in the last yeah, man. 10 you're years. like halfway through that. It's not even that. Like I just, there was a moment where you're talking, and I almost like stuck the whole bottle down my throat. <laughs> Don't I you like, ever? I was like, why did I put my full mouth around like the outside of the glass bottle? Do you never get, um, do you never get Coke with with like your burritos or anything? No, I do. I do some fat. Yeah. So no, I try I not that. to, you know, I try not to eat so much sugar. See, I. This this podcast is going off the rails, but who cares, dude? That's what the people came here for. We'll get to the subject. Just hold your horses. <laughs> the, but the uh, the I stopped buying Coke with with my burritos because the cokes that they sell at these at these shops. <laughs> I told you I'm moving. Hold on. Are like they're like three dollars. Yeah. Like who's spending three dollars on Coke? I it's just I can't. It's unconscionable. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't justify it to I don't myself. know, man. Some people are just really feeling that, like, like natural glass bottle. Oh, my gosh. It's That's a lot. Insane. It's a lot. It's not better than, it's not all that much better than, than the dollar cans of Coke. It is. It is. Uh, you know, <sighs> I, I definitely think we're going to have to do another poll about this. Bottled Coke. No, I'm saying Coke. it's better. I'm saying it's better. It is. But it's not $2 better? better. But it's not. It's not 250% better. <laughs> well, economics would disagree. I'm sure that most of these stores actually sell bottled Coke yeah, they do. faster than candy. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. People are willing willing to pay? Let no, them pay. Fair enough, fair enough. That's what I've been going to school for. I just... Insider I'm, I'm trading. Un- I'm unwilling to pay. <laughs> Insider trading. We can't talk about that. All right, we're skipping into it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, episode 16 is about the renaissance of certain video games. Uh, Cameron and I were having a discussion about what we want to talk about this week, and I have been very excited. I just bought Black Ops 4, mm. been kind of on a gaming binge. Uh, lately, my lady has been out of town, so my free time has just been playing different games. Mm-hmm. So we were discussing like how certain games capture like the lightning rod experience through innovation. Um so we want to start by talking about what we meant by renaissance. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think for me, one one thing that really comes to mind is like we, uh, a lot of franchises will fall into a specific pattern of like this is our game, this is the audience that we're trying to capture, and this is this is all you know. This is what we are, right. and then and then they'll it'll the the love for that game will start to kind of wane and and and. Uh, People won't be that excited about the new iteration or whatever. Right. Um, this happens a ton with like annualized franchises, because um, every every year there's a new game and you're like, okay, this is the same thing, you know, Black Ops, whatever is fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but every now and then the company will will like take a couple years off or 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 retire the franchise and then come back with just like like an insane amount of innovation it's, and it's crazy it's like it's it's so there's something so special about playing a a familiar game that is like completely new and and innovative it is strange because i think 
time has a little bit of an impact on this, right? Yeah. If a, if a team of developers takes time to work on a product and the consumer doesn't get any of that franchise for a long time, there's already a craving to go mm, back. Yeah. There's a little bit of a nostalgia. So what we wanted to talk about is not a natural evolution of a game franchise. And notice, you know, we did an episode on uh, remakes, reboots, and soft reboots. Um, we This is sort of a continuation, but more of a specified yeah, yeah. In, in the sense of, of video games. Notice we don't want to talk about the evolution of certain games, right? Now, I was talking about how I got Black Ops 4 just today, right? I haven't had a chance to play it. But that Call of Duty is a natural evolution of innovation. Definitely. Through a franchise, right? Call of Duty hasn't had a renaissance. No. I hope they do because nah. I, they've released a Call of Duty for like 18 years in a row or something Every like year that. since Modern Warfare 2? Modern Warfare 4, like Call of Duty 4. Call of Duty 4. Call it was of every Duty year. 4, yeah. And then it was World at War, then, uh, then <laughs> Modern, Warfare, Modern 2, Warfare 2, Black Ops, Modern Warfare 3. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. I and hope- then they, they acquired a third. So it used to be... Um, Treyarch and this is kind of getting nerdy, but it used to be Treyarch and Infinity Ward who would go back and forth. Right. But then they, uh, what what is their new company or their new Sledgehammer? Sledgehammer Games. Yeah. So what happened is Activision ha- is the producer of multiple studios. Call of Duty was a big seller, so they dedicated two studios to working on Call of Duty, and they alternate years. Mm-hmm. And then as we moved into the current generation, sixth generation of consoles, is that right? Is that what we're on? Yeah, I think so. Um. They added a third development team. So a development studio had three years to work on a Call of Duty for the PlayStation 4, Xbox. Now, personally, I know this isn't quite the the topic, but like, I mean, I think you're you're a big Treyarch fanboy, but what is what is Sledgehammer doing in your mind? Is are they like a good addition to the rotation, or are they just kind of? Well, Sledgehammer was under Infinity Ward's wing for Modern Warfare Three. Yeah. So they were a secondary studio to help support Infinity Ward. Because you imagine if you're doing a new Call of Duty every two years, that really doesn't give you a lot of time to innovate, right? No, yeah. So they started adding more staffing and actually built a studio in and out of Infinity Ward. Right, right, right. Now, I... um, But they made... What did they make? Ghosts? So the Infinity Ward is responsible for the Modern Warfare franchise, Ghosts, and Infinite Warfare. Um... And then Sledgehammer did Advanced Warfare. And World War Two. Oh, okay, okay. Sledgehammer has only done two individual Call of Duties. And Treyarch has been known for uh, the World at War Black Ops franchise, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we're not we're not getting into Call of Duty. I'd love to do content uh, based on Call of Duty soon, but I want to use that as an example. That's a natural evolution. They have not went through a renaissance or, you know, said rebirth, right? Yeah. Of a game franchise. And I think... These rebirths, we're we're gonna talk about mostly positive ones. Definitely. You gotta understand that a lot of these companies are afraid of this idea. You know, there's yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I I think obviously so. There's this there's this idea about um, when when a when a game franchise gets so big, um, there's something about like rocking the boat and offending the uh, the the players, your that, core audience. That is. That like you don't want to take too many um, too many chances with with things because because there are a lot of times where players will get like uh, really mad when, yeah. <laughs> when you do things differently if it if it doesn't if it doesn't go well you know so and I think I I mean I, an example I would say of 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 sort of this 
um, consumer revolt um, about a franchise was the um, was um, Mass Effect. Um, so Mass Effect Three, it didn't go through like a rebirth or anything. But Mass right. Effect Three, there was an ending where people just really hated it. Bioware and, concluded their trilogy of Mass yeah, Effect Three. Yeah. yeah, and um, and people people went went crazy about about that game being bad, and it kind of tarred the you know their name. It really tarred the the, the well, Mass Effect. The, yeah, name. That, I mean that represents you know change not in the form of a rebirth. But change in the form of a you know evolution of a game, right? Well, and, and but I'm I'm saying like the these these companies are afraid to make a misstep, right? Uh, because they don't want they don't want a, a really popular franchise to 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 go the way of the, the way of the dodo, you know. You seem to notice that they either take this innovative risk on new IP, mm. um, or on familiar IP, spinoff IP, or also. Um, like just dead IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first example we're going to talk about, and I know we've probably mentioned it before, <sighs> so good. is Doom 2016. Ugh. Okay? If you have not heard of Doom, it's one of the first shooters that was pretty much playable to the mass audience on computer. It's not the first shooter. It's just Wolfenstein not. is, is the, the first yeah. first person shooter. But right. Doom, see, the, the the great thing about Doom is I think Doom has almost like a legacy of being... Um, being a game that's like ultra violent and and um you know it's got this it's got this like mythos to it yeah doom doom was uh, a shooter that came out from id software in the 90s and I think it, 95 right it it was supposed to be kind of like yeah i'm i'm not sure if it was 95 but that's that's either 95 or 97 you know that's where metal was kind of starting to you know browse up right as, as a genre and um, it was becoming more and more popular. So Doom was kind of coinciding with that culture. And it was about a character named the Doom Slayer, who was who you played. And you slayed a bunch of demons. Yep. And it was to rock music. I actually still listen to the original Doom soundtrack to this excellent. day. It is really cool. Uh, there's, a spot, uh, there's a Spotify album for the original Doom soundtrack that, like, I think it's fan-created. Mm. I don't think it's the original, but the whole thing is is played on guitars and and uh, drums and bass. Yeah, it was like they arranged all the original songs, and they sound so good. Yeah, they, I mean, honestly, like like Doom, the OG Doom is like still fun now. Like yeah. you can still play it. I have I have it for uh, for my Vita. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that version is awesome because like you, it's you know it's Doom on the go, and it's just so much fun. It's just such a it's such a great such a great game. People but, love the classic. Right, yeah. the classic yeah, yeah. Doom, and there's a culture behind it that I just want to mention, where it's like you try to get Doom to run on like whatever you can, and it's really, <laughs> really funny. Like yeah, people yeah, get yeah, it yeah. to run on flip phones, people get it to run on like it, it's just very obscure what people get Doom to run on. I think I saw, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's a lot of weird things. If you want to look that up, there's some very strange tech that calculators. They yes, <laughs> no, yes, no, they have Doom running on a scientific calculator. Really? Yeah, that's no amazing. Joke. That's so funny. Yeah, they get it to run on a lot of different things. Sorry if I'm burping. I'm, I'm having it. was the coke. It was the coke. coke. But from Doom 1, right, id Software tried to evolve the popular franchise and it fell off the rails. You know, they came out with Doom 2, which was, I think, fairly praised, right? But I it was. No idea. It was very, it's fairly similar to the original Doom in, in style and it's just for, like upgraded minorly, right? And then, uh, like, 
I think it's 2006, 2007. I'm kind of making a stretch. It was in the PS3 era. Yeah, during the PS3 and Xbox 360 era. No, I think it was, I think it was like 2009, but keep going. Yeah, id Software came out with Doom 3. Now, Doom 3 is the saddest kind of innovation for a franchise. The, the problem that I have with Doom 3 is that although they tried to lean into some interesting new ideas... Doom 3 was chasing what was popular at the time. And you don't Ooh, 2004. I was off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it was a it was a while before the next Doom came out. Um but Doom 3 didn't do super well. You know, it did okay, I think. Um but it it just felt like it was chasing the times. Yeah. It wasn't doing something great and its software wasn't satisfied with the way that it had sold. And so they took some time back. They stepped back and they said, people love the original Doom. How do we bring what, you know, people remember and love and, like, really change the way people yeah. see it? So, and that took over a decade to do. Which is crazy. Yeah. 12 years, right? Doom yeah. 2016. Yeah, yeah. 12 years till the next Doom uh, came they, out. They put out the BFG edition um, for, so I guess 2004 would have been right at the end of the PS2 era, uh-huh. and and I think the BFG edition was the, the PS3 version. Got it, got it. Um, and then, yeah, and then they they re- rebooted Wolfenstein, um, yep. like early PS4 era, right? Um, uh-huh. And uh, and that was really successful. Um, you know, it wasn't like it, Wolfenstein's not a huge franchise, franchise, but yeah, it but, definitely has more claim than it used to. Though. Yeah, um, and. Uh, and I think they learned a lot of lessons about about what the audience wants and what the audience is is looking for, and what? so I think I think Doom was like really Doom twenty twenty sixteen was like I think they captured every little drop of what Doom should be and put it into into the most solid package that they could. You know, they really like took stock of what what's successful about doom what do people love about doom and they streamline it yeah they just put it right in front of your face right yeah doom 2016 is where you play as the doom slayer yep and you slay demons that's literally that's all the it. game that's literally it and what was weird and is that a lot of super violent <laughs> super gory has has really awesome music the the music is very cool and uh, might i add just a side note on the music it's respond. It is interactive. Yeah. Most people don't notice when they're playing, but the music coincides with actions taken in the game. Yeah. So if you punch a demon in the face, the guitar will chug like three times. <laughs> like it will like go along with like your action just to make you feel more like a super soldier who's Which like is so beat. good. Yeah. It's it is very cool, very clean package. Doom 2016 before it came out actually had a really dangerous launch. I don't know if you remember this. I remember it coming out and to like lukewarm um, scores. So it was lukewarm because, well, it wasn't lukewarm scores. There was uh, like Bethesda restricted access to the game. There was a review embargo and they wouldn't ship the game out till day oh, one. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And this yeah, is yeah. where Bethesda first began to do this practice. They now still do it to this day. Yeah. But a lot of games media put negative coverage because they're like, what the heck, Bethesda? Right. You haven't sent us a copy. We don't have it ready. Day one, they didn't have reviews yeah. because they just got the game, right? And that set a lot of people off. And, and the way that the game was presented at E3 didn't seem 
like a renaissance game. But mm-hmm. when you start mm-hmm. up Doom 2016, it's like it knows right away what it is. See, right? I remember th- this was really interesting because I remember Doom coming out. It uh, maybe it didn't get like bad reviews, but I, I remember just not being like like all that hyped about it. You know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't remember caring at all. Um, and but then there there was this like groundswell of of like of like popular support where everybody was like, "Wow, Doom is really excellent. Doom is amazing. It's Doom tr- is so good." And then and then I uh, I think you gifted it to me, right? Yeah, um, I ended up giving it to you. Yeah. And because uh, you had it for you know a couple of weeks, and you were like, "This is this is a game you need to play." Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and I started playing it, and I was like. Wow, this is this is an incredible game. It's like not even like there. There's almost no games in recent memory that have eclipsed this amount of of like entertainment value. It's like seriously so good. It's very weird because games that go through this renaissance phase have an undying confidence in their presentation. And it's something that I noticed. It's like they're so confident in the package they've spent the time and craft behind that, like, you just taste the quality when you begin to play it. And there are a lot of games that are like that that don't necessarily go through this, like, renaissance phase. Like, there are are many games that are just, like, great evolutions. Like, we were talking about Burnout Paradise, right? Mm. And you can tell that they put the time and effort into that game, but it's a clear, like, next step. I'm so game. sad that that another tangent, but I'm so sad that that uh, that studio is like basically only doing the the <laughs> the vehicles for for Battlefront now. Like that's all they're doing. You know, it makes lo- me so sad. A lot of people say that Criterion, the creators of Burnout uh, Paradise, put out Burnout Paradise remastered or whatever. They put out a, a Paradise remaster. Was there a remaster? Yeah, on PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to see if people had like a good reception to it still, yeah. and if there is a good response in sales, they might actually be greenlit to go with another one. So we'll I, see. I don't know. Did it? I don't. I it, I don't even. They sold the remaster at forty bucks. Really? So yeah, like day one. Dang. Um, and from I what I see, so it much. seems good. Like it seems really fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that that is a game with endless replayability right. value. But anyways, the game going. holds up. So I hope by us describing kind of the details of Doom, you'll understand where we're going with these next games, you know? And I think when we're talking about this rebirth phase, right, where a developer leans into what they really want their game to be, they're giving their game basically balls, right? They're giving their game, like, yeah. the the guts to really get out there and be strong in what it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. There's no greater example than The Witcher 3. Totally. And I can't speak from experience. Like, just what from what I've seen, I'm like, wow, this game is, like, looks amazing. I will get to it eventually, okay? <laughs> I can't, like, I have a You really have to sink in, like, a lot of hours. That was the main reason. I literally just finished it this year. How long have you had it? Uh, since it came out, 2015. Three years? Dang. Yeah, I took about a year off. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't playing it, like, all the time. Cameron, why is The Witcher 3... A renaissance, besides the setting, because it kind of has a little bit of a renaissance vibe. Uh, yeah, but, here, I mean, here like, there. yeah, medieval-ish. But. Medieval renaissance. Um, well, the interesting thing is, um, I think CD Projekt Red as a developer um, is a really fascinating story, uh, because The Witcher 1 and The Witcher 2 are, like, these kind of weird, quirky, 
um, story games ma- mainly. Um, you know, they're 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 RPGs, but they're not super open world. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do in them. Um, and I think I think The Witcher Two was only on PC, right? No, I it was also I think it was on 360 too. Okay, okay. Um, they're very RPG centric in the sense of like it's a role playing game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? You are you are uh, Geralt. You that's your character, right. and you know you make decisions based on based on conversations and blah blah blah. Um, and and it really followed in line with a lot of like a lot of just very straight fantasy RPGs. Yes, um, yeah. that that was kind of the vibe in in The Witcher One and Two. And it's based off a story, right? Uh, yeah, so it's book it's based on a book series. Um, I think like a Danish book series or something. Yeah, isn't something it like, from Poland? Isn't CD Projekt Red in Poland? No, uh, yeah, they are, but um, but uh, the book series I don't think is from Poland. Let me cross check um, that. Um, so so. Then they spent like I don't even know how long it was. They spent like seven years on this game. It kept getting E three show like game of the show or yeah, game of the show. Um like like four years in a row or something. Like three two or three years in a row. And um it do, do you want to say something? It was a Polish writer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um so they, they kept getting this uh they kept getting a bunch of awards at E three and then, but then people started being like when is this game coming out? Because they would like they would they would announce they would talk about it, and then like a year later they'd be like, yeah, well, you know, we're kind of delaying it a little bit. <laughs> right. You know, we're we're uh, we're we're taking some some more time. We really got to fine tune things. And the really important reason why they why they did that was because this game is absolutely massive. It's humongous, <laughs> like over two hundred hours of content in just the base game. And it's crazy. The game's sixty bucks. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was sixty bucks when it came out, and I was like, "I I think I bought it the day it came out." I remember my dad came home with a package, and it was the fattest disc like game because it comes with an entire map in the box. Or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. But like the case itself was heavy. I was like, "What the heck is this game like cursed or something like that?" Yeah, I mean, I bought it. I bought it digitally, so I didn't get the map or anything. Too bad. Um, dude. The game, the game, like literally sh- is flexing the second you pick it up. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like over 100 E3 award games things and you're just like is this game really all the hype dude so but. so and and I, there when the witcher came out there was all this talk of like well before the witcher came out people were like i don't know you know they're really delaying it a lot a long time blah 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 and then after it came out they were like oh that this is really good that they delayed this game right. <laughs> you know like if they if they released a half baked product this would not be this would not be the same experience and so like there was a lot of talk about how maybe delaying games is a is is a really good thing for for uh, for these developers maybe you know better to delay your game than than hit a release date and be you know kind of half baked and and so the the really really important thing that the Witcher 3 did was it literally it took it took something that Skyrim had built up which is the side quests and the um, big you know, massive open yeah, space, yeah, open world, you know, RPG. around exploring that kind of thing. It took that and it just it like it it doubled down on it and blew it way up and made it like way way more interesting, way more story connected. Everything if, anywhere you go, uh, I feel like there's a there's like a a, a buzz saw happening outside. <laughs> Sorry, if you guys can just hear. Hold that, on, hold on a sec. Let me. There is. Meow. Meow. <laughs> Anyways, 
Um, yeah, we live in this. I live in a city, so that's why I told you to drive down to San Jose at eleven o'clock last it night. Is I was like, what just come back. I'm come back. And I was like, no, I got to go out of space. I don't live in the city. Um, so, so The Witcher basically. Like there isn't there isn't ten feet of space that you can go in that game where there's not somebody who's like, "Hey, Geralt, <laughs> help me," <laughs> and, and and part of that has to do with with the fact that they just like they spent so much time like really refining the the mechanics and the inner workings of this game. It was like that. I don't know. There's just something so special about. It. I, and you about. know what's crazy? As you're talking about it, you can I can tell you're like ecstatic about it, but I still think you're underselling it. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and there the is reason, no way to. The reason being is because when you talk about an open world game, right? In a lot of senses, people think of what you just mentioned, like people screaming, "Hey, help me! I need help!" You know, and we've all played games like that. Yeah. But The Witcher isn't like that, right? Yes, there's the initial, like, oh, I know what's going on, right? This is a side quest. You're like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. can you go grab the pendant from, you know, my old house? I can't go over there for some reason. You're like, okay. So we've all played a side quest in a, in a game like this before, right? But you go to find the pendant, and it turns out that the village where the pendant is is burned to the ground, and there's nothing but, like, ashes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then there's an, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know that scene in National Treasure? Where where he's like, it's just another clue. <laughs> There's always just another clue. That's what the Witcher's like. Exactly. National treasure, right? Yeah, yeah. Because what starts out as such a stupid, mundane, like, oh, go get my pendant, becomes a spider web conspiracy yeah. theory that you had no idea you were gonna uncover. Where you're like, where you're like, wait, there's these three witches who are living in a tree hole and uh, and come down and and eat people from this village. Yeah. Like, and I would never have. And then have the village come begins across. like sacrificing people. Like, it's yeah. Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. It's such weird storytelling, and like at the at, at the beginning, if you don't care about the story, right, you'll be drawn in through like yeah. the experience of the game, right? And that's what makes The Witcher, from what I understand, why I want to get to it, something different, yeah, right? It it's... really changed the way open world games play. Yeah, well, and and it's interesting too because it didn't. the The thing that I loved about it was it didn't really reinvent the wheel or anything. Like it, it took it took elements that were that were started from other games and and you know kind of had had these like selling point mechanics where like remember Red Dead um one part of the thing part part of the interesting thing about Red Dead when it first came out was that there's this um there there is this dynamicism in the in the side quests. Um, where, what, what are you doing? I thought I was going to put my elbow on the desk, and then I just decided no. Okay. Um, the, there, so, like, there, there's a bunch of side quests where you'll you'll go and you'll you'll do one thing, and then it'll lead to, like, a secondary side quest, right? Right, right. And, and, and so it's not like The Witcher did anything that's necessarily, like, uh, I don't want to say unique, but, it, like, it's not like they started a whole bunch of trends or anything. They're not, like... The the game isn't trying to be um to be you know the first to do anything. I well but I they... disagree, I disagree with you actually, because now games copy The Witcher. No 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 I uh, no 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 totally. But but what I'm saying is that it's not that it's not that The Witcher was the first to do these mechanics, right? They weren't the first games to make to make these like really you know interesting rabbit hole side quests. Well, but from a gameplay perspective, it really takes a lot. But I would say like. 
from a story writing perspective. Right, exactly. Right? That's where they that's where they expanded and that's where they they make everything you know connect to these like to these really interesting stories and they they build out the world and they they essentially just double down on the on the setting and and this is that's what makes the witcher so special it's it's like it's like they like you were talking about they they had this confidence in in the in their world building skills they had this confidence and they used all of the mechanics that that were available to them to make it to make it a, an incredible experience you know to to build this huge this huge massive world that that you were basically just, you know, this small part in. And I think what's impressive is that it's so intertwined that the stories begin to collide yeah. at points, yeah, right? Yeah, they do, yeah. And it's not just, like, what I hate is when people are like, oh, the world that you participate in in this video game, it really feels like you're impacting it. Well, let me tell you something, okay? This is what pisses me off about open world games. If you, like, if you rob a bank in GTA or something like that, the only consequence and reaction the world has is a radio host saying, and there was a bank robbery. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. will we do? Back to, you know, your favorite song on like Los Santos radio, you know? And, or, or like even in Spider-Man, right? It's just J. Joman Jameson, the new Spider-Man open world game. He just comes on and he's like, Spider-Man did this. And, and people are like, oh, wow. Spider-Man. The world, the world reacts to my actions, right? No, 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 no. Like The Witcher, that game. Yeah. It proves to you that you are just a small keg in a big machine. Yeah, that world feels Cog. like not keg. Keg, okay. You're a big keg. You're a big keg in a small bar. Um, <laughs> so uh, that 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 sort of like interactivity makes you feel like the world could exist without you. It's also gorgeous. The game's great. The game looks great. Yeah, like it still looks it still looks excellent. First of all, but. It looks better than Fallout 4, which is so funny because Fallout 4 came out like two years after it. <laughs> but it's got like, it's got this like, it, it's got this beautiful like, like sunset picture-esque, um, like, uh, it's a little it, it looks contrasty. Like, it looks say. like a Renaissance painting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little beautiful. contrasty. Yeah, but I love it. If you're looking for more of a realistic game, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Origins Okay. Is a realistic game? No, it it actually looks drop dead like photorealistic at really? the moments. Yeah, the lighting is insane. And the reason I want to bring up Assassin's Creed Origins is because this game is a forced renaissance. Very interesting. Hmm. Everyone knows Assassin's Creed, and it followed the yearly structure that Call of Duty did, where Ubisoft would crank out another Assassin's Creed every year. There'd be Assassin's Creed content coming out yearly to the point where the fan base actually said. We are not going to buy your games anymore because they're the same and you're literally cranking them out every year, right? And Ubisoft didn't listen to the sales drop one year, right? Yeah, the yeah. sales dropped kind of tremendously and they said... It what was, was that? A, um, the the French Revolution one? No. Uh, that was Unity and then it went to... But everybody hated Unity. It was like... Because there was like face... People, there, there people's were, faces were on backwards Yeah, but Unity stuff. sold well because of marketing, right? Oh, okay. Unity yeah. sold well at first. It was Assassin's Creed Syndicate that failed. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now, Syndicate, um, there's nothing inherently wrong about the game. Like a lot of people I heard th thought it was pretty good, right? It was in Industrial Revolution Britain, mm. um, which I think is a cool setting, yeah. right? But people said, we've seen this before. We want you to come back with something new. Mm. And Assassin's Creed Origins is set in ancient Egypt and they just cut the BS. It looks like they really, it's like, 
I don't know. It was my dad's favorite game of last year, hmm. 2017. And he usually doesn't like Assassin's Creed games. What they did is they copied The Witcher. <laughs> That's the first thing they did. <laughs> sure, they grabbed yeah. like everything they could from The Witcher. As you do. But then they also thought about like what makes Assassin's Creed great, you know? Like mm-hmm. what what is what is what people really want out of this franchise? And they forced a renaissance. Now, that was the market forcing them to do a renaissance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was driven as much creativity. Well, uh, and they as, took they took a year off, right? Like that was the, they took three was... years off. Really? It was supposed to be. I think it was three. No, and there I, was. I didn't think it was three. I thought I thought they two. only took a year off. No, it was two years. Um, it was two years. It was supposed to be one year. Because Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out in 2015. Remember when they were putting out like mobile games, like the Assassin's Creed let's mobile. Not, game? Let's not talk about those. Like what? The one in China and the one yeah, in uh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember Assassin's Creed Three and how terrible that game was? Oh gosh, I do. I hate Assassin's Creed Three. I played that game. I hate. I, I lied Assassin's to you Creed earlier 3. when uh, I didn't play the whole thing, but I, I lied to you earlier when I said I never played a an Assassin's you could Creed. Smell game. it on your breath. I played. I played about two hours of of AC3. Assassin's Creed Three is the worst game I've really played bad. for a long time. Um, it's really really bad. The reason being is because you can't be an assassin until five hours into the game. Oh, and I played the Vita the Vita uh, expansion of better. that game too, which better. is better. It yeah. is better because it lets you be an assassin like after twenty minutes. Yeah, not after <laughs> five hours, which is stupid. <sighs> yeah. Okay. No, that game was bad. Assassin's Creed Origins took a note from Assassin's Creed Three. Mm. Literally throws you into a fight for no reason at the very beginning. Yeah. The beginning of that game is absurdly rapid. And it makes no sense, but it's because they know you want to get on a horse and you want to ride across ancient Egypt, run around the sand dunes, and be super cool. Okay, the game like gets it. Well, that's the same right thing away. with um, with Black Flag too. Was like Black Flag was like, there's no, there's the you know you just you're basically just on a ship. Black Flag took too long to you start. Think? It took like an hour for me to like get my suit, mm. get a ship, actually be free. Like these open world games, they want you to be free. Like yeah, Assassin's yeah, yeah. Creed. Origins lets you be free right off the bat. Hmm. Really hmm. cool game, forced by the market to have a renaissance. Just wanted to throw that one yeah, in there. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the masters? The masters of this type of renaissance? Hit me with it. Nintendo, man. They are so... That's, this, that's like their bread and butter. This is what they do all the time. They take, they take their old franchises, and I mean old franchises, like, like 1985 franchises, yeah. and they say, hmm... Here's a new interesting gameplay concept that nobody's ever thought of. Uh, let's just stick Mario in it. <laughs> yeah, they like they double down completely on Renaissance. Yeah, and it is it's the a, reason that they're successful. Their business model. It's 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 the reason they're successful, and it's the reason that they have total flops. Okay, complete. Flops. Yeah, but they don't have that many of them. They don't have complete flops because some they're, they're no no no, Nintendo no. They, don't, they don't have that many like uh, utter flops, unless you're counting the Wii U. What? Wow. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's what's so counterintuitive for them with Smash Brothers, right? Is because Smash Brothers never really reinvents the wheel. No. It's one of their consistent franchises that... But it doesn't ha- need to. It's, yeah, it, do- it doesn't fine. need it's to, fine. okay? But Nintendo constantly, with their main franchises, innovates uh, in risky ways, I yeah, would say. really risky ways. The jump from 2D to 3D for Mario is something that you know, gaming enthusiasts talk about forever. Yeah. Okay. Because it was such a, a weird. I, I mean, well, nobody had ever done 3D platforming right before this. Right. And mm. and Mario nailed it. Yeah. Right away. I mean, I still go back and play that game sometimes. Still feels great. 
I mean, it feels fine-ish, but I still love it. I honestly, I think and, the DS version is, um, it's not better, but it's 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 easier to control. You're just you're you're making so many people mad at you right now. I know that I know I am, but but you you know what I mean. Like there there's there's it's it's a bit hard to control with the. With I the like stick the DS the, version, okay, and everyone hates it because you have to play it with the D pad. Here's what I want to say for those people that hate the DS version: play the DS version on a 3DS. <laughs> It's actually really cool. Yeah. Because you get to have that uh, the, the the movement stick. stick yeah. And yeah, it's really it, great. The pr- there's a big problem with the, uh, w- with the N64 uh, joystick. Go- going back to it is really tough. <laughs> it's like really yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, but like, that's besides the point, right? Sure, yeah, Mario absolutely. goes through a renaissance almost every console generation with him. It, I would say it does go through a renaissance every console generation. That is his big staple, Ma- right? Almost, almost, let's see. Sometimes to a generation, not very often. Um, but but so when when Galaxy came out on the DS, um, they reinvented Super Mario Brothers, the two D version. Right? Yeah, he went to a return to form in a strange sort of way. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a new art style and whatnot, and I think I think that's what makes Nintendo exciting for a lot of people. Oh yeah, totally. It's the reason I bought a Switch. When I saw Super Mario Odyssey, I was like, "Yes, I need to experience this new version of and Mario." And how how is it? It's fabulous, dude. Mm. It is so good. It is one. It is probably the best Mario game. Wow. I really? I, I I have better no than doubt. Mario Galaxy. Okay, so here's the thing about Super Mario Galaxy. I love Super I'm Mario Galaxy. I'm gonna hurt Galaxy, your feelings. And anything that you say about it is gonna be wrong. Do you like using the Wiimote as a shooter? Yeah, I don't mind. You're stupid. That's the stupidest thing. I hated that aspect. Why does Mario have like a, gu- a weird gun laser? It it didn't make sense to me, and I wanted to just focus on the platform. I actually played Super Mario Galaxy never using the aiming on the Wiimote because it pissed me off. I was like, I will not use this aimer. Wait, what do you mean like the, the aiming stuff? Like There's like a star on your screen when you point the Wiimote oh. at the screen, and the star just flings around on your HUD, and if you press the B trigger, it'll shoot a star there. Yeah, I don't a, know if I ever really did star that bit. either. It's the worst. And I hate shaking. I hate motion controls, okay? But the motion controls were not, like, they were not, like, a big deal in that game. <laughs> I, okay, like, so there's two types of Marios that have fallen in line, right? There is the chorus-centric Marios, which is you play a Mario level and you try to get to the end, yeah. right? And then Super Mario 64 kind of reinvented the wheel with exploration-based courses, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Super Mario Galaxy is get to the end of the level. Super Mario Odyssey is find your way. Okay? Sure. And right. that is my kind of Mario game. That's what I liked about Super Mario 64. That's what I love about Odyssey. Yeah, but there's still exploration in in, in Galaxy. There, there's there's a lot of... Um, I mean, there's not a lot of exploration, but but there there definitely is. I, I will I will say Galaxy is mechanically cool. Like there's a lot of so good. I liked uh, Super Mario Galaxy one and two. I thought they were very good. I didn't play two, but um, I hear it's excellent. So yeah, it's just uh, it's just fine. Like I I think they're great games. Like I think they're great games, but I think Odyssey's way better. Mm-hmm. Okay. You haven't played Odyssey? No, I haven't. It I is, mean, I don't have a Switch, so it's really cool. Okay. I can't even like I don't even know how to say it. Sure. Sure. And also, Nintendo does a great job with Zelda, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm not even I don't even care about Zelda at all. Um, but from what I see, every time every time there's a new Zelda game announced, it's like it's like entirely different. 
different art style, different different vibe, different yeah. mechanics, completely different. Even you look from the jump from, you know, 2D or top-down Zelda to 3D. A lot of people love Ocarina of Time, but then there's another renaissance with Majora's Mask because that game tonally is just super different and it's mm-hmm. weird. There's super strange mechanics where you only have so much time till like the end of the day or the end of the week. I don't remember, but essentially like the moon comes crashing down on the earth and destroys yeah. everything, yeah. right? It's a really dark, strange concept for a kid's game. Isn't it um isn't it similar to to Final Fantasy 6? Um isn't that kind of where it I'm not I'm from? not really sure. Okay. I don't know much about Final Fantasy. Um yeah, me neither, but that game, that Final Fantasy is another one that probably needs a renaissance. Wasn't it? Well, I think they've tried. Yeah, like fifteen multiple. looked like a little bit of a, a departure from. Was what that the used new to. one? Yeah, um, where you're in a car, you're in a boy, a boy band. band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could care. I, I don't even think I could care less. It looked cool about it looked Final cool. Fantasy. Yeah, but then Zelda jumps to Wind Waker, which is just absurdly different than the, yeah. the N64 cartoonish uh, art style, cell shaded and really strange, like. I don't. It's, it's like a beautiful. Nordic. It's, it's like a beautiful. Nordic ocean island yeah. style, yeah. and it's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about Breath of the Wild? Because I don't. I, I mean, I know nothing about that game. Yeah, Breath of the Wild is is an, is an incredible way. Uh, how do I say this? It's an incredible game in the same sense that The Witcher Three is, mm. but instead of focusing on the story aspects, they focus on the sandbox mechanics. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. the very beginning, they give you a toolbox and they say, "Go have fun with the toolbox. Go explore and innovate with this toolbox." Right, and you create your own story. But we already know what you're gonna do. Like it's really weird how mm. they completely planned. It seems like they planned for everything you thought. You like they let you figure it out on your own, and you feel super smart. And then at the end of the tunnel, there's a treasure. And they're like, see, we knew. <laughs> we knew you were going to figure it out. And I love how there's like hardly any hints. Like halfway through the game, I found out that I could jump uh, with my shield up and then put the shield on my feet and use it at a, as a surfboard to go down mountains. And it's just so fun. Like it is super duper fun to like go to the top of the highest mountain and like just surf down it. Isn't there a way where you can like... Um it, uh, you can like hit things a bunch of times, and then but it doesn't like shoot off right away. And yes. then you can you can grab on. There's uh, some like really like because there's no fast. Oh, there is fast travel, but like if you're running out into an area you haven't explored, right? There's a kinetic power that you have where it's like you can freeze an object in uh, space, right? But then any kinetic force you apply will then be exerted at the end of its timer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you freeze something, right? And then it will count down from like six seconds or something like that. And in that time, six seconds, you have as much time as you want to mess with the physical direction you want it to go. So you'll freeze like a rock and you'll hit it with a hammer like 10 times. And like a ton of force will be applied in one direction. There'll be a visual arrow pointing where the force is going to be exerted when the timer is done. Mm. I know I'm, sp- I'm talking fast because it's hard <laughs> to explain. But if you don't understand what I'm saying, like I'm trying to paint it out for you. What I love to do is hit a boulder after it's frozen a lot of times, have a lot of like velocity yeah. applied to it, and then jump on and hold on to the boulder, and they'll like fling you across the map. It's <laughs> there's just a lot of fun sandbox uh, like physics based tools and yeah, toys yeah, you can yeah. play with. I mean that sounds like just a good time. It just sounds like a, it'd be fun to 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 run around and figure out what you can do. It's cool when games go through a renaissance of like style. Like there's a style mm. that they're known for. And then they kind of just throw in like, like a playground sandbox kind of style with it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, like go go play the way you want to play, 
in something that we know you love. Yeah. Right? That, I think Metal Gear Solid Five did a great oh, job with that. Totally. Right? Totally. Uh, we wanted to talk about how Metal Gear had a renaissance from like 2D to 3D. Yeah. Uh, that's obviously a great example to draw to. Well, um, I think a lot of games in that in that era had to figure out like how do we make our games like good in in 3D space? Like yeah. how do we make our games still playable in in 3D space? And the the ones that that really came out of that were were obviously Super Mario 64 and I would say Metal Gear Gear Solid. And that franchise really like expanded on what on what it was. Yeah, what I love is that Metal Gear, like, whereas Mario took a gameplay side, Metal Gear Solid said, we're going to evolve our Metal Gear franchise into a cinematic experience. That was, excuse me, that was Kojima's whole thing, right? He wanted to turn yeah, it into yeah, a cinematic yeah. game. Now, if you want to get into Metal Gear Solid, don't play the first one. No. Uh, it has not aged well. Actually, don't play any of them, <laughs> except for Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, play 5. Because 5 finally realizes, oh, we can do a cinematic experience with gameplay, right? Because they, Five is a perfect game. It's so good. <laughs> I wouldn't say perfect. It's perfect. It's really great. It is really great. So fun sneaking around and 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 capturing people, stealing people from their homes. Now this this it's amazing. This Such next game, game that I want to talk about is gonna make JD so excited. Um, <laughs> but I think Dark Souls One is a strange renaissance, not necessarily for the Souls franchise mm. because there was a Souls game before, but it rebirths a genre that people crave without knowing okay and it has to do with dark fantasy right but i think if you're a gamer and you enjoyed games for a long time we've all had those moments where you've played a game and it gives you a exciting thrilling sense of loneliness and Mm, exploration right definitely definitely when you play the original tomb raiders or even you play those games that don't have enough power to be able to render the space and they're gray and foggy, right? There's like this sense of like, what's down this dark quarter? Yeah. Like, what is this? And this happens with old games, right? Like, like, sh- like Shadows of the Empire. Like Shadows of the Empire, yeah. right? But even like you, you think about Super Mario 64's underground mm. area, right? The dark metal dungeon. You're like, what's down here? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, what's, yeah. what's going on in Boo's Mansion, right? Uh, or, like, you're playing Tomb Raider. You're like, what's down this cave? Or, or you know, my dad used to play this weird game called Draken. I think I mentioned it before. It was, like, a girl riding a dragon. Oh, yeah, And you yeah, go yeah, into yeah. these, like, dark caves, and it's just like, what's down here? You know, if you played any of the original Elder Scrolls games, uh, Morrowind, like, I know it's just... There's a lot of fog because the game's trying to render, <laughs> but it it adds like a mysterious element. Do you Dar- remember when Morrowind? Sorry, do you remember when Morrowind was was released? It was teen. No, and, and then the ESRB like actually looked at it closer. I was like, oh wait a second, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> how how was it not like how is it rated M though? Because I mean? I played through Skyrim and the only M rated stuff is like blood. It's like the blood and stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm an amber dude. Okay, anyways. Um, but this Dark Souls game, it's almost like, they're like, how do we make that feeling potent again? Mm, yeah. How do we, it, like, energize this sense of loneliness and excitement and exploration with, like, a grim medieval setting? Yeah, right? and the, the, like, I, I'd say uh, almost the, like treacherous nature of of what you're exploring 
Like oh, but it's exciting. Out, around any corner, cor- uh, corner, there could be something that is going to kill me. So Dark Souls doesn't in- innovate in a gameplay sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that some of the systems in place are interesting, like the idea of death drops your XP, mm-hmm. which is kind of a big, ex- exciting thing for a yeah. lot of people. And I would say that is an en- uh, uh, an aspect of their renaissance through the game, right? But as as far as gameplay goes, it's Zelda combat, like lock on, shield rolling yeah, kind of yeah. thing. It, Heavier. What? Yeah, yeah. What it really what it really banks in on is that atmosphere, mm-hmm. and and they mesh it with clean gameplay, right? I mean, it's a little wonky, but <laughs> they mesh it with clean clean gameplay, and that's why this game stands out, right? Yeah. Uh, Demon Souls is a hard game and it sucks to play. Okay, if you like Demon Souls, good for you. You're a great gamer. <laughs> I can't keep up with that game. It's very glitchy. Uh, but Dark Souls, it like is slow, methodical, and it really gives you that feeling. If you're looking for that experience again, give Dark Souls a shot. Do not look up anything about it. Just just shoot it from the beginning. The thing that I find is really interesting about that that. Um, sort of genre of game is it? it is technically like an RPG and it's got certain RPG mechanics in it but it's really not about like you upgrading your systems or you like you know getting better weapons or whatever it's really kind of straightforward as far as the combat goes it's just like how long can I keep this going <laughs> you know like it how is, long can I it feels survival-esque because yeah, yeah, yeah. of the consequence of death in the game definitely um, this is something I just wanted to touch on and I think it really adds to that atmosphere that they wanted you to experience. But the game hardly has music. Hmm. The only music that happens in the game is during boss fights, which are usually like fairly intense uh, because the beasts you fight are are large and scary looking. Um, But most of the time, it's just your armor clinking (laughs) as you walk around this desolate place. The reverb and echo that they put on, Hmm. on all the on the screeches of the creatures that you fight and and the sound of your footsteps is just haunting, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can think of the first area that you're in. It's like this, uh, like, I can't think of the rock name. Like a stone, yeah, yeah. Like a stone castle. Mm-hmm. It's like a stone dungeon that you're in, right? And you're walking up these stairs and it's just clinking, clinking, and it's just, it's cool, dude. Yeah. It's very yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome thing that From Software put together there, and clearly successful. People really like it. Yeah. It's, it's breeding into a, a cool franchise and whatnot. Are they are they doing Bloodborne too? Um, a lot of people think they are. Okay. They're teasing it, right? All right. Um, yeah. Aw, I want to talk about that. <laughs> no, you're not gonna it's get okay. it. We we cut Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Nine. Oh, love that game. So good. Kind Anyways. of, a, you can understand why. Yeah, it's a, it's a renaissance, right? We want to. T- I want to touch on Blizzard Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, they are an interesting company because they don't really. When I say renaissance, I I do consider their development teams to be thinkers, right? But they never invent something completely new. Instead, they only refine what already exists. Yeah, right. They sit back and they say, "How can we make this the Blizzard way?" How can we make this the best game that people are going <laughs> to always want to come back to? And then they just dominate that market, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, Overwatch is awesome to me, you know? I love Overwatch. I put a ton of hours into it. An ungodly amount of hours. <laughs> I don't even want to read the number off. I don't think I, I don't have it on me, but like if I open my laptop, you'd be like, Isaac, dude, stop. Um, and I'm still playing it to this day, but Overwatch is a copy of Team Fortress 2, right? And that was its first criticism when yeah. it came out. 
you know, the Pixar graphics, the hero based classes and whatnot. But Blizzard took it to the next level. They were like, if we're going to do a hero based shooter, like a team game, we're going to lean into the best aspects of it. And they just right. destroyed. Like, they destroyed. No one's playing TF2 anymore. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Granted, it's old, right? Yeah. But Overwatch is just so good, dude. <laughs> Overwatch is so good uh, as far as a team based shooter goes. And they do the same thing with MMOs, with card trading games, with dungeon games. Like Diablo just dominates that market. World of Warcraft's so good, they still make you pay for it on a monthly <laughs> basis, which is just well, crazy. And, they, and they're like still updating that game. This is like the insane thing about World of Warcraft. It what, is 2018, and they they just released another expansion. It's like, what, what are you? What, what, who's playing World of Warcraft? Apparently, a lot of people. Yeah. Which is just like, I don't know. Yeah, they have the Hearthstone card game, which I remember that was big when it came out. Yeah, it was huge. It's yeah. still it's still pretty big, I thought. Yeah, I, I mean, most card games don't oh, stick speaking around. Speaking of card games, the card game in The Witcher, I spent, I, 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 I spent a lot of time playing oh that game. Because it, it's, it's really good. Anyways. Wow, wow, wow. We no, think, I think Blizzard Entertainment does a good job at, when we say Renaissance Rebirth, they rebirth a lot of existing ideas i've never really played all that many blizzard games though overwatch is what sold me yeah. i'm a big shooter fan yeah. and when i heard that they were doing a shooting game i was like you know i don't usually play blizzard games but i hear a lot of good things about their refinement and craft and people said don't worry this game is going to be crafted and refined <laughs> it's going to be awesome it's going to be worth the price and i remember i bought the the 40 version of the game because they sold like a cheaper version mm. And I wish I bought the $60 version because, I mean, I ended up putting money into the microtransactions because I'm like, I love Blizzard. Yeah. They have, like, their own event yearly (laughs) called BlizzCon. BlizzCon, yeah. And you have to pay for a virtual ticket to watch it, okay? (laughs) And, like, when you pay to get it, like, it gives you benefits in all of the games. Like, Mm. this year has a skin in Overwatch. If you want to get that skin, you have to pay for the BlizzCon (laughs) ticket. So the thing about... When I was a kid... World of Warcraft was like was like big, right? Um, and I remember there were there were all these stories. Did did I talk about this on on a show? Maybe I feel I like we might be running into some like similar territory, but uh, you can reiterate it. The, uh, I, there's like there's all these. The, there's all these stories about people leaving their leaving their their wives and leaving their husbands for somebody they met on World of Warcraft. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Do you remember? Do you remember that though? I heard recently that Fortnite had a bunch of lawsuits about divorce. Nah, whatever. Ah, wow. <laughs> but, Baby men, but, Baby men playing Fortnite. <laughs> but like that, uh, so like that scare. And then I and then there was all this like panic about how how uh how world of warcraft is addictive and and everybody who's playing it is it's like cocaine let me tell you how (laughs) meta blizzard is okay they have their own event you know they're flexing all the time literally in overwatch they're so proud of themselves and like granted they deserve it okay they made a map that is a fake amusement park that doesn't exist in real war in real life called blizzard world okay (laughs) it is a map in the game Sure. And they basically, like, just put a ton of Easter eggs for all their games across this map. It's like, if we made it a theme park for ourselves, this is what it would look like. Well, that's cheaper to put it in Overwatch than to, than to make it. <laughs> I know, but it's just hilarious yeah. to me, you know? Yeah. Shout out to Blizzard. They take, they take their craft seriously, yeah. and they do a good job with it. They do a good job. 
Now, if you're a fan of System Shock, which is an old... Nobody's a fan of System uh, Shock. First, Nobody knows what System Shock is. I mean, is. I don't know. Some people do. <laughs> okay. It's a first-person game from the you know 90s PC era. Um, story-based shooter. Similar to the Doom-esque. It was considered a Doom clone with deeper themes. Hmm. Deeper um, story, right? Deeper themes, you know. Or story, yeah. Deeper story. And uh, it was sort of underappreciated, I, I believe... I mean, at the time, gaming isn't as big as it was now, but a lot of people regard Bioshock as a spiritual successor to it. Yeah. And I would say that it is a renaissance rebirth of, of, that, of, of that kind of game. I would say, and I would say, that, like, the atmospheric, um, almost uh, pseudo-horror shooter that's very story-based right. and very, like, world-building and... and and you know it doesn't like the shooting part of the shooter aspect. Like the shooter aspect of it isn't the main thing, right? There's there's the elements of atmosphere and um, that really lift that game to 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 new heights. And that I think that's probably something that System Shock has in common with it, right? Um, that there's you know it's a it's a System Shock is a story building a, sto- a world building game. Um, based on its, you know, its atmosphere and its environment. Right, right, right. And I'd say things like Half Life and uh, uh, those kinds of games are are also similar. Uh, but Bioshock does it to like the nth degree. I, I think Bioshock game. was the modernization of that idea. Definitely, right? definitely. And it really took people surprise with its uh, took people by surprise with the way it leaned into its setting and really engrossed you into that. It. It is not, you know, modern by any means at this point. Bioshock no. is 2007, I believe. Yeah. Um, could be off. Mm, 2009? I think you're wrong. 2007? Maybe. I think uh, we're going to argue. Um, no, and the shooting mechanics are bad <laughs> when you go back yeah, to play it. Yeah, yeah, Shooting mechanics, not very good, not very smooth. It was another, that was a problem with, with Bioshock Infinite was it felt like similar, pretty similar shooting mechanics to the original Bioshock, which is like... Guys, get it together. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what's you know, this is a this is an entire entirely different tangent. That's right, two thousand seven. Okay, Ooh. nice. Um, I'm a geek. Uh, the. Uh, do you remember like back in in twenty twelve? When there was a bunch of videos and stuff about like Half Life Three confirmed and stuff like uh, that, you know those have existed ever since Half Life Two. No, 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 I know, so. I know, but uh, but like there was a big wave of of those like oh oh the rumor is Half Life Three blah 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 Half Life Three. Yeah, you know, there was yeah. a bunch of a there's bunch, always like bunch surges, of hype. but like but like nothing. Nobody cares about Half Life Three anymore. Like nobody's like spreading rumors about Half Life Three being being around. You well, know, I like, think it's because Valve came out and said we're, we're not, not making it. it. Yeah, we're not making it. Leave yeah. us alone, right? Yeah. They've yeah. said it so many times. I think a lot of people, uh, just kind of feel like it's not happening. You know, it's definitely not happening. Yeah, <laughs> Half Life Three confirmed. Um. Yeah, well, I don't know. Are are you? Uh, are we? Are we done? I want to touch on a couple last ones real quick. Okay. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, really great reinvention of what Rainbow Six is, and this is a strange one. I know you didn't see me put this on the list. <laughs> How many of you have played a phone game? That's right. <laughs> All of you have played Angry Birds. Are you Dora? The Let's be real. It? 
Angry Birds? Mobile games suck butt, okay? <laughs> I do not like mobile games at all. But this sure. game changed yeah. my mind, okay? What game? This game is called Downwell. Don't know what it is. It is the cleanest, fastest, best playing mobile game I have played, hmm. okay? And it perfectly captures the endless runner and retro platforming into, like, a game. Hmm. Now, I know you're already wanting to go to sleep. <laughs> but if you want a game that's awesome, and I would say a renaissance to phone games, Downwell. It's got the guts to ask for money, okay? Dang. Downwell has a $5 price tag. Dang. Yeah, it doesn't care. Do you remember when... It's so good it's on Steam. Yeah? Yeah, it's okay. an actual game at this point because okay. it did well, so. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. I, I uh, yeah, I, I have... Actually, there is one phone game that I really like. It's called, uh... Um, oh shoot, what is it? It's the one where where you you have to be a disease and uh, oh and kill my everybody. Oh, she would like that. You, you know cynic. what I'm talking about? You you know you know which game it is. Oh, Plague Inc. That's what oh, it's called. Oh man, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, it's hard. It's a strategy game. You have to like you have to kill everybody. It's really it's it's fun. Well, well, well. We all know into the mind of Cameron, ladies and gentlemen. This has been. Episode 16 of Everything Comes From Something. 16. If you guys enjoyed our conversation our 16. about games and being geeks and all that junk, feel free to check out the games we listed and also consider following us on socials and Patreon. We put that stuff in. Now we're going to transition to our post show. Post show. Which is actually has a new brand, a new title. Yeah, it's called it's Nothing, called nothing to, do to Do With, with anything. anything. Great. <laughs> You know, we put uh, last week's episode 15's post show on YouTube. If you want to check it out, we do have a YouTube channel. Mm. The editing is trash. The Come camera's on. awful. Don't be, don't be. But you can watch Cameron rant about cheese. It's in caramel coin Dude, together. It was so bad, it was so bad. You know, we didn't even know what we were going to talk about for the post show, and uh, I don't know how you doing. Fine, dude. That's good. I'll tell you what. I really gotta pay, pee. You can pee. I'll stall for you. Yeah. Or hold on, we can watch. Just... This. We can do this pause button. Ready? Pause. Pause. We're about to go pee. Pause. And we're back. Wow! Thanks for going. Wow! 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 Oh, that was quick. That was a quick pee. Man, that was quick. I'm so good at stalling. Instantaneous. Woo! So what? What's going on? What's going on with you? This is the uh, not everything to do with nothing. Nothing. The to nothing do to do with anything. anything. <laughs> oh my gosh! Should we put this out on like a different day? I'll tell you what. Okay, we might. What do you think about um, like making another smaller podcast that's just about nothing? <laughs> what do you think? You got more time, bud? No, no, no. I mean, like this, it'll be like the end stuff, and we'll just put it out on like Wednesday or something. Maybe we'll have to do another poll on Facebook. That's why you should follow us on socials. Hmm. Let's get into the grit. The grit. <laughs> we we just. <laughs> I'm curious. Oh, don't do that. Apparently, when you pee during a podcast. <laughs> It kills the energy completely. Apparently so. I'm curious about that too. That is a weird thing. <laughs> Nikolai Tesla is inventing his own vodka. No, no, no. His own Elon tequila. Elon Musk is. <laughs> you got all of the facts of that wrong. <laughs> Elon Musk is inventing his own tequila. It's called Tesla tequila. Oh, that sounds solar powered. <laughs> I wonder if it's electrifying if you drink it. Maybe. Who knows? I hope not. That I can't think right bad. now. So what's going on with you? What's going on with me? I don't know. Um, you know, just thinking a lot about the existential doom of the universe. Um, I did notice that. We did grab coffee before this, and you were in a quite dire mood. Yeah. 
Definitely. I came and I was in a good mood. No, I, I was thinking about nuclear, nuclear holocaust. Well. <laughs> well, then. I'll tell you what I'm really excited for is uh, Black Ops 4, actually. Yeah? That's what I, I have to sit through traffic back from San Francisco mm. so I can go play Black Ops 4. Now, I'm not some meat-headed poop, as you can tell, <laughs> okay, wow. that uh, doesn't play other games. You play Black Ops every year, though. Call of Duty is a guilty or pleasure. You play Call of Duty, every but day. here's the thing: I'm not guilty about it anymore because I'm not some immature little baby who can't <laughs> stand. Uh, dude, I hate like mainstream gamer or like triple uh, A haters. Just yeah, 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 triple yeah. A haters. Yeah, I'm it's like the same with movies where where people are like, oh man, man, my my cinematography teacher, uh, professor, not teacher. He was like, he was like, oh, Christopher Nolan, he sucks. And I was like. Get out of here, okay? You just hate Christopher Nolan because he's better than you. <laughs> you hate Christopher Nolan because he has a way fatter bank account. Yeah, that's exactly. what it is. Really, that, that is what it is. is I is. I just hate that counterculture. I mean, someone's yeah. got to do the hating, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. I guess that's true. But when you're gonna tell me that Fortnite sucks and you're still playing Gary's mod, <laughs> I don't even want to hear it, dude. Gary's mod. Oh gosh. All right. It feels like Bethesda game lovers are these people. I mean, look, hold on. I'm on. I'm on the side of of Fortnite sucks because I keep seeing it everywhere, and it, like people are doing the dances and so stuff. So this and is that's a, like so cringe. This that's is like so cringe. okay. There's nothing. Uh, but I'm talking about the game sure. from a critical level. Sure. The game is great. Okay. The game is great. I like on from a mechanical. No, it's fun. It's a fun. At game. a mechanical sound level, it runs well. It plays on everything. Well, like, let's just stop being cringe about this. You know what I mean? Dude, you know, when things are exciting, they're cringe, okay? <laughs> I guarantee no, 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 Fortnite's no. going away soon, okay? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's the one definitely. thing I'm excited to try is Black Ops' Battle mm. Royale. Yeah, apparently it's intense. It looks fun. Apparently it looks, it looks really, super really fun. hard. There's vehicles. Yeah, that's cool. That's super There's cool. There's helicopters. Man, this is the problem, though, is, like, is like when... when when Call of Duty becomes Battlefield, I don't know what's going to happen to Battlefield. It's going to go away. Oh, man, but I love Battlefield. I think... Ba- uh, I think I, think so- I might just play Battlefield 4 forever. So when we're talking about Renaissance, okay, which is interesting. I know we're in the post-show. <laughs> but Call of Duty, like, this Call of Duty game, Black Ops 4, is the most different Call of Duty game. Yeah, definitely. And it's gotten so much hate from the community. Really? Okay? This is the first game where you don't regenerate health. Really? Has there been that much hate? Yeah. Damn. The time to kill is high in multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird for a Call of Duty game, right? Well, it's got to be higher than normal Call There's of Duty. There's team-based because... mechanics, right? It's all around objective-based modes now. Yeah, so it's basically becoming Battlefield. To a certain degree, right? But more of a chaotic arena shooter style, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tapped into too many things. There's a lot of weird rumors about the development of this Black Ops game and how it tested bad with audiences and they had to rework the game in a year. Wow. So it's very strange. There's like a remnants of a campaign that doesn't exist. There's a ton of cutscenes in the game through mm. these stupid side missions that are really bad, sure. apparently. And like, I don't know. I'm The main reason I bought it right away is one, I know I like zombies and I always like playing Call of Duty. Yeah. But, but also I'm really curious. You know, I love Treyarch, right? Yeah. I, I've always liked Treyarch games. Uh, you know, and they always have these weird hidden things in Treyarch games. Like Black Ops 1 has Dead Ops Arcade and a mm. strange bonus map you can unlock if you beat the campaign or something like that. And then like, you know, Black Ops 3 has the weird, like has really weird stuff. Mm. Like you got these um, 
free running missions, another dead ops yeah, arcade, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a separate side campaign that's zombies focused. Did you unlock that? Um, it's called Nightmares. Yeah, it's where, the campaign where levels it's, with like infested zombies. Yeah, but that's that was kind of bad. But like, dude, that's just free stuff. Yeah, you no, know, sure, sure, like it's sure. it's really cool how they like always throw in these weird different ideas. Do you remember the big like there was like um, in Black Ops Two? What was the big map where you took trains to each other or buses? Yeah, so the zombies map in Black Ops Two is widely disliked. Yeah, transit. transit. Yeah, but they had a weird mood, weird mode called Grief, which is eight player zombies. Do you remember that? I vaguely, vaguely. It was like. Two I don't remember two teams oh, of yeah. four trying oh, to out survive yeah. each other. Oh, I do remember. That. It's really yeah. fun. Like it's stupid, but it was really. And fun. And you could play online and stuff. You knife yeah. people and butterflies come out of them because <laughs> it was like you couldn't hurt the other team. You were just trying to out survive them. Yeah. It was pretty. Fu- it was. It was goofy. I really enjoyed grief. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. So I. I've just. I'm honestly just curious about this game coming out. Yeah. Um. I'm curious about battle. Or uh, about uh, uh battlefield. Um. Like where where it's gonna stack up. I. It's gonna. <sighs> it's gonna sell really poorly. Yeah. Um. Which is too bad. But I. I loved the the um the beta. I thought it was really excellent. I'm curious about their battle royale. Like I know battle royale is being outdone, but yeah. at this point, I'm just like, I just want to know what they're trying to yeah, do yeah, to yeah, differentiate yeah. themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're obviously not trying to do anything to differentiate themselves because they're they are <laughs> capitalizing on the they are. on the battle royale. Money. Battlefield 4's battle royale is sixty four players. Five, you mean? Huh? Battlefield five, yeah. Battlefield 5's is sixty four players. Yeah. There's no. I don't think there's solos. It's squad only. Oh, okay. You're yeah. in four player That's squads, nice. all right? And then like there's vehicles implemented, so you'll have tanks and like different. Well, yeah, so like a battlefield like game. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I think it's just very looks weird. What's interesting though is in the beta there's actually a mini battle f- or a mini battle royale mode. Have you did you hear about this? I think this is what we're talking about. I think this is their battle royale. No, 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 I know, but there was like there's like an actual like um it's like a mini version of what the battle royale is going to be. Basically like it's at the end of um cuz there's like a 3 day long siege right. in, mode in in the um in the multiplayer. And if you get to the fourth day, if you guys tie on all three, um, on all three days, mm-hmm. you get to a fourth day, and the fourth day is supposed to be like like ultimate survival. Like some people don't even have don't even have primary weapons; they just spawn with like with like pistols and like oh, two clips and that's stuff. So weird. And then and then you're like you're basically going and and you have to be the last one, obviously. That's crazy. Um, and so it's it's like a mini battle royale mode, which sounds like awesome. If it if this if the battle royale mode is like ultimate survival, where you're like where you're like I'm. I have to I have to kill people and take their guns to survive. Like that's that's cool. I'm so su- I'm super into that. I wonder if the Hunger Games franchise Ooh. is going to try to tap into the wow. battle royale. Like I wonder if they're trying to tr- going to try to partner with a developer and just wow. be like, let's do like Hunger Games like as like a game. You know, I think I think everybody has always thought that Hunger Games would make a better game than a than, than a movie. an actual <laughs> movie. Yeah, I don't know that the, the Hunger Games. I think it's a little too late, but that would have been an interesting like collaboration totally, totally. between. But the battle royale mode wasn't a thing back then. Yeah, no, no, I know. I mean, well, actually, that's not true. Arma mod was a battle royale. Was it technically? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. that the first? No, the Daisy. Um, oh yeah, a, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was the first one. I okay. think. 
I'm that sure had the, zombies and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a weird like uh, it didn't take off. The first one that did it like pretty well was uh, there's an H1Z1 King of the Hill. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. yeah, yeah. I um, do you PUBG. remember when? Do you remember when Fortnite was like a game where you built? Yes. Stuff. I remember it, being interested in it actually. Yeah, I, I saw it at like I saw it, it. It was at I think Microsoft's E3 conference one year. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. know. I think you might just get because it kind of looks like Plants vs Zombies. It might have been just stuck no, in your head maybe. that way. I don't know. I don't know. But the that um, yeah, the original mode is still exists. The Save the World. Yeah, but does anybody play it? Yeah. Actually, like, because of Battle Royale, people have, like, moved over to that. Really? But it costs money. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. still a full game. I know my friend Bob, he actually kind of prefers that mode. He thinks it's more fun, more laid back. You get to just kind of shoot zombies and build That's forts good. and things like that. Looks fun. Looks yeah, fine. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. I like, I lo- oh, man. Speaking of survival games, though, Rust. Whew. Oh, dude, I hate Rust. I love it. I love it so much. I hate Rust. It runs like trash. If, yeah, the game, know, if the game runs like trash, I can't stand it. Like, well, honestly, anyways. performance is king. I, I, I've gotten it to run pretty well on my Mac. I'm sure so. there's a way to do it, but when my gaming computer can't seem to optimize it, I'm like, I hate this game. Well, anyways, Rust is so fun because because it's like, it really is like kill or be killed. It's like it's like Hobbes' war against, of everyone against everyone. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Man. You know how we pitch different Legos beforehand? Yeah. I want this to be on the record. Okay. I have a great video game idea. Okay. And so in the last 10 minutes, I'm going to explain it to you, and you're going to tell me if you would green light it if you're a studio. I'm going to say it's going to suck. Okay. Well, I'm just, just prepare yourself, right? All right. I'm prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, the date, just so you know, is October 12th. Are you going to tell this even though that like somebody might steal your idea? It's October 12th. This is a legal claim <laughs> to this idea. No, it's not. I am, I am saying it publicly. No one else has thought of this idea. I've shared it with two other people. Okay. okay? I've shared it with Daniel Baker and one other person I can't remember. Okay. This is an idea for a Star Wars game. Now... If you're going to steal my idea, I would like some compensation, okay? But That's not you, how this works. you can apply this idea to other genres, right? Or other franchises mm-hmm. and and really like go somewhere with it. All right. I would just want I would just want some compensation. I'm going to describe what it is and then I'm going to describe it through the lens of Star Wars, okay. okay? Imagine a game. Well, let me start like this. We all love movies and stories, okay? Sometimes you get really engrossed in a movie or story that, like, certain scenes are just exciting for you, right? What if there were video games based off the scene, but it was your job to make the scene occur, essentially? So it's it's complicated. Let me me try to explain it to you, okay? I'm not getting it yet. I know you're not. It's a, I got this inventor mindset, all right? Okay, okay. Here's what we're going to do. Everyone has seen Star Wars A New Hope, okay? There's a scene in that movie where the Millennium Falcon is pulled in by a tractor beam to the Death Star, Mm. and the crew is left on the Millennium Falcon. Yes. This game is a $20 game on Steam and the PlayStation Store where the pregame lobby is your crew on the Millennium Falcon, Mm -hmm. and the game begins... 
with the Millennium Falcon being pulled in to the Death Star. Sure. What is your goal of the game? Well, you have primary objectives to complete, and then you also have side objectives and different things you can do. Sure. It gives you free reign. This is a sandbox game, okay? Mm-hmm. You are given control of the five characters. If they die, they're dead, okay? <laughs> that, is the, that is the whole thing. The game has 25 different endings, all right? This scene can go down how you want it to go down. You could actually replay the entire movie scene if you wanted to, if you're good enough and skilled mm, enough. Mm. And then each character has their own abilities and things like that that interact with the environment. For example, R2 can open red doors, right? Sure. That, that's just a mechanic. Let's sure, say that exists. Sure, sure. If R2's gone, you can't get into the red doors. Yeah. Okay? And this game has silly mechanics. Like, I'm talking like Hitman mechanics. Like, you can take off all your clothes and put on <laughs> someone else's clothes, okay? <laughs> there are mechanics where it's like, you'll be walking, Right? And you can press a button to look like you're walking like an NPC, right? So you're Mm -hmm. trying to blend in with the environment. Now, this is a six-player game, all right? Okay. Five players are the crew of the Millennium Falcon. Sure. And you can play this game offline, right? It could be two players, and you can switch between characters via, like, Lego Star Wars. Yeah, Like, you can switch between characters, right? Um, But the full max lobby would be five players on the Millennium Falcon and one player who's someone in the empire who's <laughs> just trying, one person just one person trying to sap like try they obviously so know So this would be like an asymmetrical shooter or whatever like It'd be like a third person action game. No right? no no I know but like um it'd be like uh what was that evolve or whatever um, Right right right. But like so like Or the, the Friday the 13th game. Exactly. Yeah yeah yeah. So the the empire player would have its own tasks and accomplishments. Mm. Um, depending on which character you pick, you also have job roles and you can be busted. Okay. For walking out of line of the empire protocol. Okay. So you still need to do like, if you're a janitor of the death star, you still need to make sure the bathrooms get clean, but you also know that there's uh, like, I was a sanitation engine. (laughs) There's also like, you also know that there's like a, a crew probably sneaking around doing no good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you do your objectives, well, eventually you can get control. Like Darth Vader really like mess stuff around. Darth Vader doesn't have any objectives, right? You can just (laughs) run around. But like, imagine like if you're one of the players, you like can take off like the clothes of the stormtrooper. You can blend in and walk like all the other NPCs. So like you're trying to blend Mm, in, right? mm, mm. So like the game is essentially a sandbox for you to live out the scene. Now the scene can end, like I said, in like 25 different ways. Picture this, like everyone dies, no one gets off the Death Star, okay? (laughs) Everyone dies except for Princess Leia, who happens to seduce one of the guards, then kills him, sneaks onto the Millennium Falcon and ditches the crew, and then it's a one last ditch effort where the crew tries to get to the TIE Fighters to escape themselves, even though they got effed by Princess Leia, right? And then you just all die, a little short to be a stormtrooper. Exactly. Like, there's just, like, there's endless possibilities to be programmed into this workspace. So the game would be you get to play this workspace, right? And then you un- you get XP, and then eventually you'll begin to unlock, like, new skins, costumes, uh, different, like, equipment, and then eventually, like, new crew members from Star Wars. Oh, okay. So, like, you could swap out the crew. Uh, I guess, oh, so the pregame lobby wouldn't be the Millennium Falcon, it'd be Mos Eisley's Cantina. Mm. So you could switch up your crew before you take off and go yeah, into the, yeah, yeah, get yeah. caught in the tractor beam, right? So the game has the same setting every time, right? And then, like, the DLC would be different situations in Star Wars, sure, right? Yeah. Different scenes, like taking the Naboo Palace in Episode 1, right? You'd have a crew, right? Then, then it's like, there's a siege moment. Or, like, you know, taking the 
uh, shield generator on Endor, right? There's yeah. like a there's like a whole scene, tons of opportunity. But I just was picturing this Death Star scene, right? And I was like, dude, this could be so fun. Like, imagine you're C-3PO. Everyone has died, right? <laughs> and somehow you get into like the Death Star's core reactor and like blow it up. And it's like a one last ditch effort as C-3PO does it. Like, it would be the funnest game sure, for yeah. streamers. It would like, this game would be awesome, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it'd be hard to pitch this game because this game would work i would say this game probably works best on in like the ps2 ps3 era where things are like not not huge like sprawling massive games you let know it I mean? be janky and okay. let it be small okay okay yeah he is never gonna do this no i know right <laughs> but you could i i imagine you could do the same thing with like lord of the rings like you exactly could do, you could do but imagine, imagine like a develop the de- the Hitman developer yeah. taking this on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hitman yeah. developer's all about the sandbox, right? Right. This could be a cool project for any IP, right? Yeah. If you're doing a Harry Potter game, which I know there's been a leak about that, like imagine like okay, the battle for Hogwarts is the scene. Like you could lose a lot of people, right? <laughs> but you can also have like a goofy time, like doing things. Sure. And yeah. there could be side objectives or like, what if like at the beginning of the game, like. Like we're going back to Star Wars. Like Luke Skywalker just kills Obi Wan and takes his lightsaber and uses it to fight Darth Vader or something like that. Or like, what if you like? Is that tr- possible? Can you kill your teammates? Yeah, dude. Okay. Well, if we're playing like off, I think there'd be settings, right? Yeah. Or like, what if like you know, as Chewbacca, like you cause some big disturbance uh, on the Death Star, and then like there'd be stars like GTA. So like, like not so like like your wanted level like would become higher and higher and like the Death Star would go into full lockdown yeah. to the point where the Emperor would come to inspect and if you assassinate the Emperor like the Star Wars universe just collapses in on itself, right? Like it would be so much fun, dude. This is a great idea. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm on board. I'm you, on board. You told me you would hate it. But this is an awesome idea. No, it's good. It's a good idea. That's what I thought. All right. Well, that hits one. Yeah, yeah. That's that's gonna be it. Okay. I hope you guys enjoyed my Star Wars game idea. I liked it. Everything comes from something will now be posted on Mondays. Like I said, we don't know what we're gonna do with the nothing that does with anything that I can't (laughs) even say. Nothing to do with everything. Nothing to do with anything is our post show. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Mm. Uh, Keep having a great week. Enjoy the commute. Enjoy the show on the road. Have a good one.